Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Father, we thank you for the work that you started on the cross that we are here to celebrate today. But we thank you, Lord, that even your death and then your resurrection, your ascent into heaven, was not the end, it was just the beginning. The apostles and the wonder of the early church, the miracles and the explosion of people coming to know you right through all the non-Jewish world, the Gentile world, even that wasn't the end. It's continued down right through history and every single page of it seems to have been stamped with your grace, with your great love for people. All the songs that have been written and the sermons that have been said and all of the gatherings that have occurred in your name, all the great works of mercy and help for people, all the places of love that have been established in your name are part of that story that just keeps on rolling on. So Lord, we thank you that today's another page in that story for someone, someone online or someone in the building here today is going to write their name on this page They're going to say, today was my day. I've now got a story about Jesus to tell. We thank you for that. Help everyone today that's a part of this service, Lord. Lord, would you embed into our hearts the realisation you did it for us. Not for religion, but for people. We thank you for all your great grace for us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. John's Gospel, chapter 20 and verse 1, reads like this. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark. She saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. It's the Apostle John. He's writing this, so he kind of, I guess, out of humility, doesn't say it's me. Uh, The other disciple whom Jesus loved, and he said to them, they've taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out, and the other disciple, that's John, and they were going to the tomb, and they both ran together, and the other disciple, John, outran Peter, And he came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there. And the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also and he saw and he believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he would rise again from the dead. You know, the resurrection story was very exciting for this small group of followers, 12 disciples, now 11. But then there was a larger group, Jesus' mother, who was there at the cross, Mary Magdalene, and then quite a group of other people that had, were, had become followers of Christ without getting the name of apostle. 
And so all of these people, the ripple of the story just goes right through the crowd and they are all buzzing with absolute excitement and then replaying in their minds all the things Jesus had said. They remembered that he'd said, you know, that they'll destroy this temple, meaning his body. And in three days, it'll be raised up again. And they go, oh, now I start to understand some of the things Jesus was saying, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. They begin to replay in their mind all these things Jesus had said. And now they start to make sense. And they make sense with incredible excitement and joy. But however, if you were one of the civil or religious authorities that had conspired together to put Jesus to death, you are not excited about the news that starts going all around the community. You are now really worried that everything this man said before he died was the truth. That you have not only killed someone who was a troublemaker to you, but may you in fact have crucified the Son of God. Maybe what you did was something that was so supernatural and now God has raised him up from the dead and everything you believed now turns out to be wrong. My goodness, the fear was equal to the joy felt by the disciples. These people are very definitely thinking this is bad news. Matthew 28 verse 11 says, Now while they were going, behold, some of the guard, that's the guard that were around the tomb, came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. They said to them, Look, we have no idea. One minute we were there, the next minute we are like in a coma when we come to the stone is rolled away and there's no body there, but we didn't see anybody. No one approached us. There was no attack. There was no attempt to overpower us. Verse 12, when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers saying, tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. Do you know nothing in the whole of the Bible is a typo? Nothing in Scripture is there by mistake. There's no extraneous bits. I know that might be hard to believe because some of us maybe have come from backgrounds where the Bible gets ridiculed as though all it's full of is thou shalt nots and thou shalts and a whole lot of irrelevant stuff and, and all the rest of that. But when you really dig into the Bible, if you never have, I challenge you to do it, you discover that it's an incredible book of life and truth. I love to read and I've read thousands and thousands of books. But I've never read one like the Bible that continually speaks. Every day you read it, something fresh comes out of this book. So all the story that's there tells us something. I want to take you back to John 20 and verse 7. It says, and the handkerchief. Now, it's not a handkerchief like one you might carry around in your pocket. 
that's only a small amount. This was one that they used to bind the head of a deceased person as they anointed them with spice. So it's actually, well, here's a tea towel, but it actually would have been bigger than that. It was large enough to be wrapped around a person's head and tied there in place. And so when John 7 says this, that the handkerchief or the towel that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, so what? It fell off as they were dragging the body out. As they were carting this, this corpse out, it fell off. Well, if that had happened, this wouldn't mean anything. But look what the verse says. Not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together. You know and I know that if Hercule Poirot or Sherlock Holmes or Miss Marple or the Ladies' Detective Agency were examining the scene and they were hearing the stories of the soldiers while we slept, what, all four of you, by the way, who were required by Roman law to forfeit their life for the loss of another, you really think you'd go to sleep knowing that if you fall asleep in the job, they kill you? Oh, I don't think you do. But they hear the story. Oh, you know, while we slept, they stole the body. And then you go and you talk to John and Peter and John says, you know what? I walked in there and what stood out to me was the folded cloth. You know, if you steal something, you don't tidy up before you leave. That'd be like a burglar breaking into your house and making the bed before they depart. <laughs> Going to the sink and doing all the dishes you left there. <laughs> Any decent detective would look at that. No wonder Peter says, he went back and looked and he believed. Why? Because he saw a sign from heaven. Can you imagine? In the, I love this, that in the empty tomb, it's not just, well, believe that he disappeared. But in the middle of the scenery, God puts a sign that something supernatural had happened. This is no ordinary death and theft of a body. The folded cloth is one of heaven's reminders of what took place in that tomb. Just like that. But then I think, but God gives us all lots of reminders from heaven, doesn't he? Baptism in water. When you get baptized in water, it's just water, folks. We don't pray over it, turn it into holy water. It's just water. And you go into it as a believer. You rise again, as the scripture says, mirroring Jesus' death and resurrection. You come out of it into newness of life. And thereafter, you can look back and go, that was a moment for me. And it becomes one of heaven's reminders. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are heaven's reminders to the church. Listen to me, that Jesus is still present in the church. That's what the gifts are about. They're not just about some kind of show or demonstration or proof. 
they are a reminder from heaven that when Jesus went to heaven, he gave gifts unto people. They're a reminder to us that God is still present in our life. But then so is communion, which we're going to celebrate here together this morning. Communion is one of heaven's reminders. Let me read this to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. The apostle Paul, who was Saul, the persecutor of the church, and then his name is changed after he encounters Jesus. It says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, listen to this, he said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He said, I'm going to give you a reminder. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you do it, as you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. We're going to celebrate this morning and hold in our hands something that reminds us. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 3 says, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? You know, I watched those stories this morning, first time I've seen them. And all of us side stage, we're all there wiping tears out of our eyes because there are people here that we know and, well, we thought we knew. And then we hear how no one organised it. How many of those stories, it wasn't, well, they grew up in a Christian home and it's a cultural thing. You know, being a Christian is like, well, you kind of get it from your folks. But so many of those people encountered Jesus. They just encountered Jesus. They just encountered Jesus. That's what happened. It wasn't a church that saved them. It wasn't a preacher that saved them. It wasn't a religion that convinced them. But they encountered Jesus. And so communion reminds us of three things. Number one, that Jesus died for us before we did anything for him. Before we did a single thing, he died for us. Secondly, it reminds us that we loved, uh, loved what Fran had to say there. She now sings, Jesus loves me, this I know. Simple, simple. It sounds so, it could be a cliche, but it's not when you've encountered Jesus. He loves me. Third thing that this reminder tells us is that nothing can prevent his love from reaching us. We're going to share communion together in a minute. The host team will come and they'll serve you and we will, just hold a minute, we will invite every single one of you to join with us because it's not owned by a church. It's not owned by anybody. It's for believers. But before we do that, just stay right where you are. Thanks, host team. Just pause a little minute. I don't want anyone distracted. Stay right where you are. Thanks. That's it. Just pull up a chair wherever you are. I don't want anyone distracted because I know that some of you online will be like a Rashida or you will be like a Fran or you'll be like a David. You grew up in a Christian home, but at the age of 13, go, it's not enough for my parents to know Jesus. I need to know Him. Or like an Abe, you've come from a culture where Christ is not even talked of. But there's something inside of you that says, I, I know I'm meant for more than this. His story became their story, but God wants it to become your story. 
It's as easy as this, right? Wherever you are, people do this every service. They say yes to Jesus. I'm never tired of saying how simple it is. I know someone might go, surely there's got to be more to that. Surely I've got to prove to God that I'm genuine. He says, no, just come and say yes. If you're in Australia, it's this easy. Text Y-E-S, yes, to the number on your screen, 0488-826-392. If you're outside of Australia or you'd rather get the help we give freely via email, then you go to yes.metrochurch.org.org.au. The next day after you do it, we'll send you a Bible verse different every day. Fits on one screen of the smartphone along with a prayer different every day for 30 days. And that'll help you get started, help you hear what God says about you, help you start a, a, a conversation with God that'll change your life. 0488 826 392 or yes.metrochurch.org.au. If you're saying yes, the next thing I want you to do, even if you haven't texted it yet, you're still a part of the service. I want you, you know your heart. You're saying, oh, I'm, I'm going to allow Jesus to come into my life. I'm going to welcome Him in, but I want you to share communion with us this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for the whole world that You died for. You didn't die for one group, one culture, one country, one kind. You died for every single human, every person, the ones that have lived great, good lives, the ones that have lived messed up, screwed up ones. You still wanted them to open the door and say yes to you. So thank you for that. Lord, as we share communion together this morning, some people for the first time ever as a believer in Jesus. Lord, open up their understanding to everything you have for them. We thank you for them in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Host team, please come. They're going to share this with you. And uh, here in this church, what we do is we hold on to the piece of bread and the cup until everyone's been served. Then in a minute, I'll be back and uh, we will stand together and eat and drink as the family of God that we are. And uh, we would love you to take that with our compliments. You might go, it's my first time here. I go, that doesn't matter. We'd love you to join with us and receive that. And uh, while we do that, we're going to get blessed with a great song. Thank you so much, Ben. Thank you, Ruby.
clapping if you were holding in your hands the cup and the bread. Can we stand together? Why don't you just right where you are, just take a minute. You know, we're all different. Some of us find life pretty suave and good right now and others of us, it's just a struggle. Maybe there's health things or business things or relationship things or maybe it's none of that. Maybe it's something in you that you're just battling and saying, I don't know how to get to the other side of that in wholeness. But whichever one it is, if that's there, why don't I take a minute and just say, Jesus, I'm glad you saved me. I'm just glad that you saved me. You, did, you saved me. You were confident that you could do in me everything that needed to be done. Where I don't have the strength, you do. Where I don't have the wisdom, you're wise enough. Where I don't have the resources, I, I wouldn't know how to get there. You are my great provider. 
We thank you, Jesus, that your saving, your being the Savior was complete. It's not a half-done job. It's huge. It's entire and it's magnificent. Lord, as we eat and drink together today, we remember this sign from heaven that we're holding in our hands the piece of bread that reminds us of your body that was broken so we could be whole. The little cup that reminds us you shed your blood believing that what you did would be sufficient because you live, because he lives. We eat and drink with gratitude to you, Lord, in our heart. Amen. Let's eat and drink together.